Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 oh my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. Our friends at Cobra have introduced the new King LTDX irons designed to deliver next level distance and forgiveness. Available in both variable and one length offerings, the LTDX irons combine an intelligent power core weighting design with a thinner and larger power shell face, creating a superior choice for the perfect blend of forgiveness, high launch, excellent feel, and longest total distance, which is what we're all about. For more information on the LTDX family of products, visit cobragolf.com.au or drop into your nearest golf shop. This is the 19th Tee Podcast. Just Kieran Marsh with you this week. Nathan, a, a well-earned week off. Drew's to celebrating another lap around the sun with his birthday tonight. So a very happy birthday to Nathan on behalf of our entire 19th Tee family. But I am not on my own this evening. I mentioned last week that we were going to have a chat with the people behind an exciting new tournament on the roster for the Australian summer. And I'm very pleased to say that we are joined by the chairman of the Cathedral Invitational, David Evans. David, welcome to the 19th Tee. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks, Kieran. Nice to be invited. It's it's exciting. I must say, I, I kind of, we, we flagged a little bit of this in last week's episode. I said my algorithms on my Instagram account work very uh, neatly, David, where it skews me towards an awful lot of golf content. And in recent <laughs> weeks, I've been seeing... You know, Adam Scott confirmed, Kari Webb confirmed, Cameron Smith confirmed, and I'm, I'm I keep clicking on confirmed to what? Lo and behold, it's your tournament, the Cathedral Invitational. Tell us a little bit about, uh, I, I suppose, the the thoughts and the genesis behind what is shaping up to be a fantastic two days down in Victoria. It is. It's very exciting. Um, well, the genesis dates back to um, many years ago when I first started to have the idea to uh, to create uh, Cathedral Golf Club, which uh, is is on our family's farm, um, about two hours by car northeast of Melbourne. Uh, and we had uh, Greg Norman build a, a, a wonderful, beautiful golf course um, on our farm, which the topography was perfect. And Greg uh, completely fell in love with the uh, with the land, fell in love with the concept, and. Um, we uh, we opened the course back in uh, November 2017, and that that was the first part of the dream. The second part of the dream was to have a uh, have a private invitational um, tournament where uh, the club owned the tournament, and uh, and we got to stage uh, once a year a coming together of um, of wonderful golfers uh, across the the um, uh, the female game, male game, and uh, uh, and also the amateur game as well, and. And that's um, that's the background to it. You've positioned it well in terms of you know, just a short few days after the Australian Open, which means you've really got your pick of the bunch. We've got so many fantastic players heading home uh, from overseas for the first time in a long time. Obviously, the Australian Open being staged for the first time in a few years. And, of course, uh, the pick of our, our best up-and-coming talent here competing across the entire summer. So I'm sure it was quite a deliberate choice, I suppose, in your, your schedule placement to give yourself the best possible chance of filling out a great field. It was. It was strategically done that way. Um, we knew that um, uh, that the Australian Open was going to um, attract a, a great a great field this year. James Sutherland and Golf Australia have done a great job in working extremely hard over the last eighteen months to uh, ensure that it is a great field made up of the cream of Australian golf. 
And um, we thought that, and this is, as I mentioned earlier, this is something I've wanted to do for a long time. So what better way to piggyback off the Australian Open and uh, start baby steps effectively. So have a two-day event, introduce the players to the golf course, introduce the players to the concept, and then build from there. So I could have gone straight to a 72-hole event, but I thought that um, this way was a way of, of uh, starting small, um, focusing on what we needed to do to do it really, really well in coming years. Now, whether that's next year or in five years' time to get to 72 holes, I'm not exactly sure. It'll depend on how we go in December, but certainly the building blocks so far are very solid and, and we've got the makings of a great tournament. It's unique in the sense that it's over two days. Can mm. you give us an idea of how the format will work? We've obviously got traditional 72-hole stroke, uh, stroke play events. We've now got a 54-hole version making waves internationally. How will how will the two-day event shape up format-wise? Yeah, so it's an interesting story how we got to here. So I copied a, um, a tournament that's very successful in the US, uh, played at the Seminole Golf Club in Florida, where they have a, uh, a member pro event, which I think is off the back of the Honda. I'm not exactly sure which PGA Tour event it's off, but I think it's the Honda. And um, they, it almost becomes a competition between members as to uh, the pros that they can get to play. So we've done it over the last couple of years, and last year was very successful. We had Jeff Ogilvie uh, win our member pro. So that's uh, the evolution of this event, that it came from a member pro event, and um, now it's obviously a 36-hole event. The member pro event will still be on the, on the Monday, where it'll be just private, so um, the gates will still be locked. But then on day two, um, the members won't play and the scores from the first day obviously will count for the pros. And uh, then we open the gates on Tuesday, the 6th of December, and we're expecting uh, ticket sales been going well. We're expecting about 3,500 people uh, for day two, uh, which will be the final day without the members. That's just the pros playing. And you've also engaged a broadcaster. Fox jumped on board to get out there on on the six. It must be fantastic to see. Obviously, uh, last summer as well, they jumped on board. They've come back this this year. Getting eyeballs on golf is is so important uh, at this juncture. Well, I'm sure it was a very welcome addition to your tournament to have the cameras there on day two. It is um, Patrick Delaney uh, from Foxtel. Uh, he bought straight away into the vision and. Uh, we'll be working with Foxtel not just this year but going forward to build it out. And so they've got some ideas to how they'd like to do it. Um, we're we're getting help from Jam TV who are doing the production. Um, good friend and member of Cathedral, Eddie McGuire, is the principal and founder of Jam TV. So there's some really interesting people um, uh, who are connected to the club that have got great media background and they've certainly helped me in, in setting up uh, what we're trying to do with the broadcast. Uh, quite curious about the course. Obviously, it's it's your passion. It's it's your piece of mm. land, and it's been your baby. But to transition it from, you know, a day to day private member course to a course that can host yeah. serious tournament golf and the infrastructure that comes with crowds, you know, broadcast compounds for TV. How's that transition been for the property itself? Yeah, that's a good question, Karen. I haven't been asked that one before. It look, it's um, it's a really interesting golf course for people who haven't played it. It's uh, it's got five par threes, five par fives. Um, Greg designed it uh, around uh, the natural canyons that weave in and out of the property, and they're really much – they've pushed the greens right up against those canyons and some greens inside the canyons. So 
it um, does lend itself for some thrilling shot making. And uh, we think uh, on camera it's going to look wonderful. And I think, to be honest with you, I think that's why we've been able to get the field that we, we have because there's a lot of interest around playing the golf course. Some of the pros that will be playing have, of course, experienced it um, at the previous member pros. But I think the uh, the word has, has got around. And um, I know Mark Leishman, who uh, is playing, said to me the other day that um, he's really looking forward to coming and playing the golf course that he's heard so much about. So I think there's a, there's a bit of that. There's a bit of anticipation around uh, the playing of the course because each hole, it's, it's as Greg says, and Greg's been really kind enough to say publicly that it's some of the best work he's ever done. Uh, and he, the way he describes it, there's nothing like it in the world. It's so unique in that uh, every hole has sort of got a, a different story and is on a different piece of the land. And he's sort of really worked with the terrain and the topography to create something that's, um, you know, for golfers is probably something uh, particularly those on the USPGA don't necessarily get to play very often. So um, it's. I think the golf course itself will will uh, will certainly be the star of the show. I wonder what drove you, David, to to make the decision to to really invest and press ahead with this concept. Because I think it's one thing to be a passionate fan of the mm. game, but it's it's another to really stake your own, um, you know, put skin in the game and really stake yourself to to put. Uh, a destination and a tournament on the map to contribute to the growth of the game here in Australia. So what was, I suppose, a tipping point for you to say, yeah, I, I actually want to go all in on this and, and be a part of, not necessarily, I don't want to say part of the solution, but part of that, that movement that is going to continue to push the game forward in this country. Well, Kieran, I just remain passionate about the game. The, the game has been so good to me. It's, um, you know, I love it, but also the people I've met through the game, um, you know, and I played a lot of golf in America and played a lot of golf at some really um, wonderful private golf courses. So I, I guess Cathedral was almost like a coming together of probably about a dozen different models and golf courses that I saw, models of membership and and golf clubs that I played at around the world, predominantly in America. And so I was bringing the great thing of, uh, that I found, it was so much fun to bring that model that that uh, I'd enjoyed so much in America over to Australia, which it hadn't been done in the, like we, we've only got 180 members, so very low membership model. And um, and the ability to create something that uh, can also be uh, developed into a golf tournament um, on this golf course every every year, which is of course what the Masters and Augusta have done, uh, is, is something really unique and special. And, and that's really the passion behind why I'm doing it, and and I think uh, particularly for the region where it is, which um, it's a part of the world that's very dear to us. My wife grew up in that area. She um, She's fifth generation in that region. So to be able to take um, wonderful uh, golf to that region and showcase with the patrons uh, how beautiful that area is, as in northeastern Victoria, is, a, is another reason why I'm doing it as well. So it's it's one passion of golf but it's too passion for the area and the region and, and uh, opening it up to um, to people around Australia. I don't think anybody really until they're probably in it has a concept of, of the logistics involved in pulling a tournament together, be it, be it day, two day, four days. Can you give us a bit of an insight into, you know, once you scratch the surface, whether it's 
you know, the attraction and, and, the, and the signing of players right down to event logistics of crowd control and bringing people through the, the full scale involved in pulling something like this together? Yeah, well, I'd never done anything like this before. I'd sort of watched it happen um, with people that I know that have been connected. So I, I had a sense of um, of, a, of a structure that I wanted, um, but, it, you know, nothing like this comes off without the players. And when we were able to get uh, – Mark Leishman was, to his great credit, he was the first one that put his hand up. So I knew that when we'd signed Mark that we we had something. And uh, I've got to pay credit uh, to – my organising committee, which is made up of um, uh, Matt Jager, our director of golf, is a current Australian tour player. He's got great relationships with uh, with the Australian tour players. So um, with his stamp on it, and I guess with him working with me, I immediately got, um, I guess, the, the trust and faith of the of the young Australian players. And then using my contacts, uh, you know, people like Nick Ahern, who's a member, Paul Sheehan, Jeff Ogilvy, um, they're all members of the club, so using their contacts, and uh, we were able to, you know, pretty quickly get uh, in touch and pitch the idea to a lot of, you know, very significant Australian names in golf. So once uh, the players started to uh, started to say yes, it sort of snowballed, and then the sponsor the sponsorship unfolded well, and that really has been down to the uh, the membership of Cathedral um, and their companies that they represent or they, they work with and own, have sponsored the event. So it really has been a collegiate approach by all the cathedral members to get this uh, together. And uh, I have to um, have to acknowledge that because without the members, this this doesn't work. How have you found uh, the, the, the tour's adoption and embrace of, of your kind of event popping up? Because I think it's, it's notable that in the last couple of years, we've seen a variety of different uh, formats and, and things pop up, yep. whether it's the, the TPS has really become such a valuable part of our summer to flesh out the calendar. Events like yours now coming into the calendar to really, I suppose, create volume. It's not just a couple of handful signature events. It's now complementing what the tour has done a great mm. job in bringing back to its you know its full complement this summer. Yeah, the tour have been great. Um, you know, we've been obviously working with the Australian Australasian PGA Tour and Golf Australia, and they really have been very welcoming, very encouraging. Um, obviously, this is an event that's owned by us, the club, um, but the they immediately got the fact that this is another uh, event that they can put on the calendar and you know creates a, I guess, a stop for them in Victoria. Now, where we fit on the calendar going forward, that's obviously something we have to discuss. But um, you know, I, I feel where we are now we're from where we were six months ago with our relationship with foxtel our relationship with uh with the regulators as far as golf australia and the pga tour the players um i think we're in a good position to develop something really special uh but the calendar is going to be crit- critical going forward because um you know trying to fit this is why the australian tour has struggled because access to players given their choice internationally with the prize money they get to play for internationally has made the Australian tour really difficult to develop. And I get that, but hopefully we can find a a slot in the calendar, uh, get the uh, credentials with the players um, and we can, uh, we can get back to having an Australian tour that, that uh, looks something like what we had when I was growing up, when um, the Australian tour was, uh, was, was brilliant. You know, it was, we, we typically had a tournament every second week and, um, you know, the great names like Norman and Stanley, Shearer, Billy Dunk, um, 
They're great players that became household names um, when you watch them every weekend on the ABC with Peter Thompson commentating. So, um, you know, they're, they're great memories. And, and you asked about why I'm doing it. You know, I, I'd love to see Australian golf and the Australian tour get back to those halcyon days where uh, following of golf tournaments was, uh, you know, was so rich. Probably a good segue to get your thoughts, David, obviously as, as both a passionate fan and now someone with skin in the game about, we, we've spoken a lot uh, in recent months about how important we feel this summer in particular is in terms of the first summer really post pandemic where we've had a full tournament schedule the first summer in a long time where we seemingly had a lot of names commit to come home from overseas and it it really does feel like it's important that that the tour broadly capitalizes on the opportunity they have uh, this summer and it is a little bit of chicken and egg i mean you need to show that you've got the product before yeah. you get the investment of of corporate australia and, and the commercial side of of, of the business, but realistically, like in whether it's eyeballs watching on Foxtel or whether it's people walking through the gates at these tournaments, this really does feel like a critical summer uh, for the game to propel itself forward. I agree with that. I think it's a really important time in golf in Australia. Um, but I think Australian golf is in good hands. James Sutherland's been a close uh, friend of mine. We grew up together. Um, he, uh, yeah, he's a really good pair of hands to, um, to develop the game here in Australia at, at grassroots as well as at the professional level, and uh, the field he's put together uh, for the Australian Open is is you know really a great credit to him. But you're right, um, Australian golf uh, has got to deliver for, for fans. It's got to it's got to uh, maintain the fans' interest. Um, it's got to create a product that um, is saleable to sponsors and broadcasters. And so you're right. This is a this is a really important few months uh, coming up. What do you think the opportunity is for golf to, I suppose, paint a point of difference? Because I think one of the, the difficult things it's, it, it it faces, particularly in a saturated summer of sport, is mm. making it appealing to 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 particularly commercial partners. You know, it's it finds itself in a situation across the last couple of years where it's become increasingly dependent on you know, state government contracts to take tournaments to different places across the country. And you'd love to see it probably skew back towards a more commercial and typically commercial relationship with, with, with private business, but it's got to have that point of difference that you say. And I wonder, you know, you know, you're obviously a fan, but you've, you've got that commercial now. So I wonder what you thought might be its point of difference and its ability to sell itself a little better than it currently does. Yeah, I think, um, I think it comes down to personalities and, you know, again, uh, don't want to sound like an old um, fuddy-duddy, but, you know, back in the days when I was following golf as, a, as you know, a, a teenager in my early 20s, the, you know, the characters and the personalities that were in Australian golf, you know, the crowds that used to follow Norman were, were just huge. I mean, they were 12 deep um, on the 18th fairway watching him play. And then, um, you know, Ian Baker Finch, um, Stuart Jin, the real characters of the game that made you want to come through the gates and watch golf week in, week out, um, or turn on the television on a Sunday afternoon and watch the last nine holes. So I think um, Golf Australia and, and you know, people like us, uh, if we can uh, unearth those characters and those personalities and those um you know, you only got to look at uh, someone like Harrison Crow, who's uh, who just won uh, over the last few days. Um, I mean, what a great story that is uh, to now 
think that he's um, he's about to go to the Masters, and and um, so I think there are opportunities now to um, to take some of the young talent in Australia, and indeed some of the talent that's been overseas and hasn't been back to Australia for a while uh, because of the pandemic. People like Adam. Um, be great to see uh, Jason Day back here at some stage. Mark Leishman, Cam Smith. So with these great players now coming back and mixing some of their young talent like um, uh, Harrison Crow in with that, that's that's really where the future of the game is in Australia. And that's why it, it was so successful. The tour was so successful where you had those personalities. So, But that's that's up to a few of us. And, and um, you know, hopefully the Cathedral Invitational can can uh, play its part in developing some of those names and that's the I believe it's the play is the only way that uh, get gets back to where it was there's got to be the avenue to f- facilitate it and, and tournaments like yours and a fuller schedule of doing that there's also got to be the environment as you say uh, players have been previously constrained with essentially a 48 week mm. season on the PGA Tour we know that there's changes in that space uh, from next year onwards but it seems as though this summer in particular, whether it's because of those changes, whether it's because those players who've moved to live golf have the freedom to come home and play, that there is an overwhelming sense of, of coming back. How have you found that to deal with in terms of the players? I imagine it hasn't necessarily taken a great deal of convincing now the opportunities there to get back home and play in front of their family and friends. Yeah, it's uh, it's it, it has been easy because there is a genuine want to be back in Australia, help develop the tour, play in front of their family and friends. And uh, and I think, you know, going back to your question about how we can get back to, uh, golf back to where, where it was in Australia as far as the tour goes, it's about storytelling. And there's some great stories that uh, are starting to emerge in Australian golf now with obviously Cam Smith's amazing year. Mark Leishman hasn't been back for a while. Uh, he's still a wonderful player doing great things on the world tour and now live. You know, Adam Scott's you know, last couple of months in America were fantastic. And, you know, every, every time he comes back, he, he supports Australian golf. And um, and as I said, some of these young players that uh, we're starting to see, Jed Morgan, um, as I mentioned, the great performance by Harrison Crow on the weekend. So there's there are some real great stories starting to emerge, which um, which we should celebrate. And, we, uh, and I think the other thing is that golf is on fire at the moment. Like golf probably five or six years ago, was really struggling. But now golf, uh, whether that's the pandemic or that um, uh, gave golf the, the boost that it needed as far as participation, but you just get, as a fan, I mean, obviously I've been there all the way through as far as, um, you know, watching as much golf as I could possibly get on TV, but you feel like that the participation of the broader community and watching golf and understanding who's doing what in golf is is broadened and... Um, I can only imagine that uh, the pandemic has played a pretty significant part in that. Speaking of names, uh, what does it mean to be able to put Kari Webb's name up on the roster to participate in in this tournament? I mean, we we say it often, we feel as though she's the undisputed goat of Australian golf uh, and and to have her buy into this concept and lend her name to it, I imagine uh, must be be quite humbling, David. Yeah, I was I was blown away when she said yes. I I didn't expect her to say yes, but um, uh, she's been nothing but supportive over the last coming or the last couple of weeks that uh, we've been talking to her and her management. So um, yeah, she's just excited to come and play a new golf course, new event, 
uh, the fact that it's only two days was was a, was um, I think the reason she said yes. And um, uh, I agree with you. I mean, what an amazing career she's had, extraordinary, and and not probably fully appreciated. Just want to maybe pivot uh, as we as we near the end. You've been very generous with your time. We thank you for that. Just to I suppose get your thoughts on golf more broadly we are probably at a period of change for the game it's been uh, a little hostile probably in the last eight to 12 months with the emergence of live golf and 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 the divide that that's driven between the game but uh, many would argue it's probably provided the disruption that was necessary after uh, a long time of having necessarily the same product so as a person who's watched the game for many many years and for a person who's you know clearly got a, a passion to involve themselves in you know, taking it forward. Have you viewed the last couple of months and, and maybe where the game's at more broadly? Well, as I said um, a moment ago, I think the game uh, is on fire at the moment as far as eyeballs watching it, participation, um, people just talking about golf and its personalities. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Greg Norman is a, is a close personal friend of mine. We, we worked obviously very uh, closely together on the cathedral project, so I've got to know him and his family uh, very well. Um, now Greg is a passionate guy that um, that has a vision for the game and and where he thinks uh, the game should go, and he's got uh, his dream to play that out in the role that he's been given at Live, and uh, he's clearly been incredibly successful at doing that. Um, now uh, it's clear that. Um, both parties have struggled to uh, find a compromise. Whether that comes further down the track, you would hope so. But uh, you can only look at the positives uh, that I would comment on. That's certainly been good for players because prize money's gone up. Certainly amongst you know the top two hundred odd uh, players in the world, um, it's now hopefully uh, at a point where the um, uh, the parties can get together over coming months uh, to provide something that is workable as far as the calendar goes. Now, you know, I'm not close enough to know whether that's doable or not, but I do know that, um, you know, Greg is very focused on what's uh, what's good for the game of golf. He believed um, wholeheartedly that the, the game needed changing in a certain direction and uh, is the reason why he uh, he did what he did with, uh, with Liv and the opportunity was given. Um, so all power to him for... Uh, uh, having a dream and building that out. So um, uh, I've got nothing but admiration for Greg for uh, uh, what he's done. Well, speaking of having a dream and building it out, David, I think it's what we're going to see on the 5th and 6th of December, your dream uh, coming to fruition down there at Cathedral Lodge. It's been great to spend a bit of time hearing about the tournament, understanding the the motivation and the passion and the dream behind it. And we certainly look forward to we're tuning in, me personally up here in Brisbane, but hopefully for a lot of our listeners down in Victoria, the opportunity to get out there. Cathedralinvitational.com.au is the website where you can get a little bit more information as well as the link to purchase your tickets to day two on Tuesday the 6th. David, uh, we wish you the very best of luck. We certainly look forward to uh, tuning in and, and catching all the action and hopefully checking in this time every year moving forward and what is going to be, no doubt, a fixture on the schedule. Thanks so much for joining us on the 19th tee. Good, man. Thanks, Karen. Appreciate it.